Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. This is a conversation which reveals to me one of the most exciting aspects of practice of anyone in any practice, and that's self-awareness. That's a clarity of who one was, is, and wants to be with high intention to produce results that are beneficial to the folks being served and provide feedback and learning and growth for, in this case, her. I'm talking about Isabel Hertz, who is an organization development consultant we call practitioner of organization development and change. And she is so clear in this conversation about what she does and why and what she's looking forward to doing that you're going to hear, I believe, a case in point about the nature of practice. Self-awareness is such a critical factor. So here is Isabel Hertz. You all know by now, if you've been listening to this series, that I like LinkedIn. Uh, I have a group called In Action Research, and I archive all of the times that I'll feature a podcast with a little mini lesson to go with it. And uh, this one is, be- I'm mentioning LinkedIn because I initially discovered Isabel Hertz on LinkedIn. I saw what she had said about herself. I saw some comments and I'm, that, this is intriguing. Uh, so once intrigued, I, I sent out a message and here we are. We actually did have a chance to talk a little bit last week to become acquainted. And Isabel's uh, firm is called Denison Coaching and Consulting. Did I get That's that right. sequence right? Okay. <laughs> sure did. In my short-term memory, only like 30 seconds, and she corrected me, and I think I got it right. Um, well, before we go into further conversation, what do you recall in particular, Isabel, that you thought came up in our give and take that represents you and where you are in this moment as an uh, organization development change consultant? You know, when I was thinking about our conversation, it's a, it's a really good question. I was reflecting on the journey that it takes to get wherever you're going, but the there, that there's no there there, right? It's, it's, it is just that process and that continual unfolding of um, being a part of systems, influencing systems, uh, helping spark insight, uh, really that each opportunity is a new opportunity and that you you keep building on those. So, you know, yesterday I learned something that informs today that will inform tomorrow and that that is really the journey of being a practitioner and mm-hmm. in helping people. Um, and so this is sort of more of a philosophical response to what our conversation brought up for me, but the the details reminded me of that and that 
we all have something really unique to contribute as a result of that journey and that that un unfolding oh, yeah. um, that happens. Yeah, well, I, I love that. And and there are a couple of things. First, the notion that you're it's a never ending story that you're developing for yourself, a never ending journey. In fact, uh, a main objective of our work as teachers, consultants, coaches is that whoever we're helping understands that nothing ever really ends for them as well. So that we're meeting them in a moment of their organizational life or their personal life or professional life. And, and yeah. we're there to point out this possibility of new directions, but their goal is to keep going. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to keep going. So unlike the, the notion that, okay, it's finished, it's done. Uh, maybe a, an oil painting is finally finished and done, but not the work of educators in the various modes that we're involved in, particularly this organizational development world. The other thought I had was, uh, I was trying to think of an image before this call that you're probably too young to even understand this image very well. But I thought of the, the game Pac-Woman. There's a Pac-Man, there's a Pac-Woman. Do you remember that game? Yes, I do actually. There was a, a um, sort of camp, um, a summer camp, but I, I went, it was a, also a family, a family place that you could go to. And I went there actually with my mom um, and there, they had a Pac-Man machine. Oh yeah. All things. It was almost like a ranch and it was so random. I remember that they had this one Pac-Man. Anyway, yeah. they had this one machine there. So I actually have played, played, Pac-Man before. <laughs> well, you know then why. Here's the image given what you just said about your own learning. Uh, once you launch Pac-Man, put the quarter in, he, and there is a Pac-Woman, uh, just starts going. And the little uh, energy pellets that yeah. are imbibed accelerates yeah. uh, the Pac-Man's chase of the of the ghosts uh, and uh, and or gets them away from the ghosts and gets them to the the main prizes. But it, the whole game is about how do you keep them going before you know where, where Pac-Man is you know eaten by the ghosts. But uh, the the image that I like in particular, given what you've just said, is the energy that you acquire. Like you said, yesterday I learned something. Today. I'm putting it to work and tomorrow I'll learn more. What do you think of that image for Isabel Hertz? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny as you were talking about it, I was thinking that the the Pac-Man or Pac-Woman eat, right? They eat and then they do grow. And so if you think about like they physically get bigger. Yeah, that's on the true. I forgot and, that. They actually yeah, start to swell they up actually, yeah. Exactly. And so if you think about that as a practitioner, if I think about that for myself, I feel I feel that growth. And every day I actually also, you know, spend time reflecting on, okay, where have I been? What conversation happened yesterday? How did I help someone, especially with the coaching lens that I have? How did I help someone? How was I supportive? Did I lean into giving them something you know was it what did they walk away with some new insights or value for their life and if they do and I see that then I can use that and carry that forward so I'm mm -hmm. getting bigger hopefully not literally <laughs> every day <laughs> your spirit <laughs> but, your spirit is growing <laughs> like, exactly exactly um and 
So yeah, I like, I like that image. I've never thought about it. You know, um, trees and nature always comes to my mind for me. I even, I even use uh, metaphors of, of, of growing gardens in the way that I uh, present pricing in my company and how I uh, talk to people about their own growth. And so I've always gone, I've always gone to nature. That's been my way of thinking about and envisioning. So for me, I think more like, oh, I'm a, I'm a fruit tree. And now today I have a new apricot and then maybe I'm now able to grow apples on my apricot tree. And <laughs> that's how I usually think about it. Pretty but, soon you're a fruit salad tree. Yeah. yeah, yeah but I, you know, yeah. I want to pick on that for a moment because I, I, uh, uh, you may remember that I told you how much I revered Peter Vale's teaching yeah. and his writing and in, in the conversations we had for the podcast, he loved analogy. And, and he would take the very complex ideas like system dynamics and all of those things. And as, as an analogy occurred to him to help a, a listener or reader get the point, it came to him almost instantly. And it just eased the listener or the reader saying, oh, okay, now I know where he's going. So mm -hmm. I threw out Pac-Man and you did a great job catching that one because you actually got to see Pac-Man at a family camp <laughs> a few years back, which is, which tells, you know, tells us a lot about how uh, our, and our total uh, experience in life, everything we've seen, read, heard, felt, it essentially is held in our, somewhere in us. I, I don't know if they pinpointed the point, maybe our memory, but I think it's more than that. So that when yeah. we are in that moment, as you are in a conversation with someone you're coaching in that very moment, maybe an analogy, maybe a historical reference to your life, maybe a quote, maybe something, you know, uh, uh, scholarly that you just read will come to the fore. Yes. Yes. It's so, it's so true. In fact, as you're saying that I'm thinking even that experience at that family camp somehow informed who I am today and the, everything that happened in my journey was so much a result of me landing here. You know, why I chose to go into organization development and why I love coaching people and why I feel like I'm able to give a gift back in doing, you know, doing what I've chosen to do um, is a result of where I've been. It's, it's that camp somehow contributed to this in some way that playing Pac-Man that one time probably was a part of it. As silly as it might seem, all those little experiences have led me, you, you know, to, to be interested. I mean, I've always been fascinated in human behavior and why people do what they do. And I never really knew what that meant or how I was going to use that, but I just followed that thread. And over, you know, course of, my 20s and getting my first job and not necessarily feeling like it was a good fit and then going back to grad school and really finding what I love to do there are reasons why I could intuitively feel that I was in the right, the right place for my own being who I want to be in this world or why I I was or was not really at any given time um mm. and that is so much because of where I've been and and the experience that I've I've had. And so 
I've had a couple conversations recently, actually, with parents who, who said, you know, well, this, I might be doing this wrong, or I, I feel guilt because I've had this, that I've given my kid this, or they have to watch me do this, or they're not getting this traditional upbringing. And I said, I don't think that there is any traditional anymore. And the experience that this child has will inform what they end up doing in their lives. And maybe they'll become an entrepreneur because they watched mom and dad do entrepreneurship their whole, their whole younger years, or, or, you know, maybe they'll go off and become a writer and share their story and it will impact other people who knows. And so in the same way, I think that, that, it, you know, the, the, tr the fruit tree was growing from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I'm hungry for an apricot. I love, I love dried apricots. <laughs> well, Sorry, I think I might have some here. I can't give it to Oh, you. I know. Stream, all the but... way from Vancouver to Con <laughs> Vancouver to Connecticut. Well, yeah. uh, this brings to my mind then, uh, I would say that there are two degrees of experiencing our life on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. One degree is casual, even without noticing, without any particular intent to notice. You're just there, you're aware, you're aware, but that's it. But the other level of being an experience is closer to what I believe is makes one become more of a practice person mm -hmm. than just someone who's casually taking whatever job or whatever opportunity, try a little of this, try a little bit. It's that acuity of observing. It's you have a reason now. You have a reason to notice things you probably wouldn't ever have noticed otherwise. Whatever the practice may be, but certainly in the human behavior as organizations, helping people in this exquisitely complicated dance of keeping an organization going once once started never ending until the world no longer needs what it does but that yeah. that acuity of observation which i've noticed in people who are practicing writing or various uh, arts uh yeah that, that they have that eye so what about what about isabel's eye for experience now you just said that you always pause and reflect are there some other ways though you make sure that you're always noticing that you're noticing. Yeah, I love that. I love that comment and question. It's so much a part of who I am. And I've always been a very, very aware and very observant of what's underneath what's going on. Oh. You know, the, the anxiety of what someone is saying or the you know, um, excitement that lays underneath what they're really talking about. You know, if I'm, I'm talking about my dog, it's like, what does the dog symbolize? What does that really mean? I've always been really fascinated by that. And what going to grad school and, and actually studying OD did was helped me become aware of that inside me even more and kind of hone those skills even further. Um, and that, I would say, is the foundation of a very big part of the foundation of how I coach people. I mean, pe the clients that I have will tell me over and over and over again, I just feel so heard, like so seen and so heard. And mm -hmm. not because they tell not because they tell me about their 
mom or their dog or whatever it is, but because whatever it is underneath what they're talking about ends up coming out in our, you know, in our sessions together. And that's exciting for me. Like that's the joyous moment of I'm doing something here that is really helping and, and contributing to make this person's life more interesting or more, they feel more, you know, seen now, or they feel more valuable in the world or whatever it is that they're kind of working through. So I love that comment. It's so, it's so much a part of how I am like listening. And I, I have trouble turning it off to be honest with you now. (laughs) Uh, My, my advice is don't, it's a gift. (laughs) (laughs) I I know it's like hearing voices in your, in your head, but, but I think though that there are some of us in who have moved into this realm of practice uh, of really, really caring deeply that we can be helpful to, to, to learners, to students, to clients, to, however, mentees, uh, and that the noticing and then the, the meta noticing where you're actually aware that you're tapping into your brains, making some conjectures really about what's really going on with this person. Uh, yeah. it's, it's good stuff. Uh, yeah. but I, I also see another aspect of your work that, uh, is to be cultivated for the rest of the time you're doing it. And that is presence, Mm -hmm. your presence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's more than, you know, what you're wearing and whether you sit straight in your chair uh, or those are all aspects of your physical uh, manifestation in that moment with the person. But initially it's the words, it's the give and take, it's the conversation that you get started with. Mm -hmm. But, when you get that feeling that that person has given you this, you know, this effective signal that, hey, she's really getting me or she's really getting us or she really, she really cares. Talk a little bit about what that moment of presence is like for you. And is that something that comes easily or do you have to work on that too? Uh, it It's a little bit of both actually. So the moment that I can feel someone leaning in or really acknowledging what they're, you know, what's happening for them, or I'm acknowledging what I'm experiencing and they go, yeah, that's totally what it is. Right. And there's that, that sort of dropping into what's happening. I get very excited. Sure. So it's hard for me sometimes to just stay present in their experience because I want to get excited with them. But actually, my the better way for me to honor their journey and be be a coach to their experience is to get it use that excitement internally to then hold more space for them. And so that shift is actually very hard for me because I am an excited person. And so I'll want to go, oh yeah, totally, like that's great. <laughs> and let's run with that, right? And so I need only they to, have to do the running, you know, that's exact, point is, they're going to run exact, into the future. You can't run with them for the rest of time. So, exactly. but, but that, that yes. kind of self uh, awareness and self-discipline, which I'm sure they reinforce when you're in graduate school uh, yeah. is something that I think all of us who are in the human side of servant service uh, have to really manage very carefully. Yeah. Uh, yes. 
I also, as you imagine already, I, I can cook up enthusiasm very quickly for what I hear someone else is saying that it's doing in their life and where they'd like to go. I have to remember, you know, they're just passing through my, my moment and they have to be the one who grows particularly as they get to the other side of that moment. I'll grow too. But if yeah. I'm the only one, you know, growing and having fun and, and feeling all much better for myself, then she, you know, shame on me, but I don't say that that's what you're doing, but I do, yeah. th but I do think though, that, you know, back to that, so that analogy of those little energy pellets that makes the pack person uh, move forward at a, at, a, at a more accelerated rate and grow those internal moments where you are taking, taking in the pleasure of someone's excitement, enthusiasm that you've been part of, but holding it, you're energizing yourself, aren't you? In a different way. You're, you're, you're nourishing the, the, the real consultant coach who is Isabel Hurts, the one who has to go on doing this as long as you care to. Yeah. Yeah. It gives me energy. I actually come out of client sessions with an energy to do more, or I use that to write or I use that energy in other ways. So it is a redirection almost of, of that. So if I don't get it, if I use the energy to get excited, I don't feel I'm really holding space in the way that I want to be or, or should be. I'm hesitant to say should, but it is my own expectation of my, my abilities that that should comes in. Mm -hmm. And then instead, if I hold it in and hold space and allow them to then run on their journey, then I use that energy. I get off the call and I have this, this new, um, this new growth, this new branch to build something else for myself. So uh, it's a great observation that you're making. <laughs> well, now you're, you're, you're energy, you're energized to write. Talk a little bit about the writing part, writing to self, I assume in a more of a diary journal kind of way. Are you, are you also writing to help others? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I do a little bit of both. I mean, I pretty much write in my journal every day, um, not in a dear diary format, but a lot of it is observations, things that I notice coming up in myself, uh, things I notice in the external world. Um, if I notice that, you know, maybe I wake up one morning and I, I have a really judgmental mind, I'll, I'll <laughs> write about it. You know, we all, we all do. We all go there. Sometimes my hope for myself or my, my expectation for myself is, can I be aware enough that I'm in a judging space today? And where's the judgment coming from? What's really going on with me? Maybe I'm kind of stuck in some fear that day because of something that happened to me yesterday, or, you know, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit worried. Maybe I'm having some worry about something in my life. And so my intention is always to try to help move myself out of it a little bit more. And, and, and even just creating awareness helps me, get the stickiness a little less sticky. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the, the other part of it is, yeah, I, I have a blog on my website and I don't write on it regularly, but I have lots of ideas. And so I'll write those things down and I'll come back to them. And over time, I'll, I'll have enough content that I feel, okay, this is a, a good thing to share, or this would be, this is worth putting up on my blog. Um, now. And so I've got a few things on there that, that a couple folks have said have, have been really helpful or new perspectives or ways of thinking of things. And, and that's wonderful if, if it 
if it helps, you know, even just a couple of a couple of people. So yeah, I do a little bit of both. Well, I, there's a couple of things. The first, the the writing to self, the journaling. Uh, one thing I uh, learned when I was working with Peter in um, in the last phase of our collaboration mm-hmm. was that he he pointed over to a, a shelf, and there must have been twenty five uh, bound journals. He mm-hmm. said, I've been doing this since I can remember, maybe even before he started, maybe when he was an undergraduate in, in a psych, psych major, but certainly when yeah. he was at Harvard. And one reason he said that uh, he gave himself that responsibility, himself that responsibility, was when uh, he was observing uh, Fritz Rolfsberger and others at Harvard who had worked on the uh, the famous uh, Eldon Mayo stu- study, the wiring room, where uh, the they noticed that the women working in those machines became much more productive when they were learned later being noticed than when they weren't. And mm-hmm. so, what what they were conditioning those graduate students back then, and this is now in uh, early six late fifties and sixties, was if you are noticed paying attention to people who love to be, then notice what you're learning from that and write it down. <laughs> they, they didn't have fancy uh, questionnaires and, you know, uh, all, the, all the tools that we have today. They had the yeah. of what we're talking about right now, the power yeah. of acute observation bolstered by note taking and then of course, they would start writing about what they what they finally called organization behavior, later yeah. organization behavior development, and now change. So you're on the path, and yet you're, let's see, at least five decades away from when Peter started that. But anyway, the point of those journals was that now when he did sit down and wrote, wrote the, the five books that he did get published and was working on the one when he passed away, is that he and he, not that he remembered exactly where the tab was. He just remembered something because he had written it. Yes. And sometimes yes. he would get, get the book given to him and he would go through and almost remember when. But good for you. Now, I want to I wanna take this to another direction, though. Uh, one thing that we're all very interested in, we in the, uh, the higher education side of uh, of being practitioners is how useful is the theory that we've ex- that we direct you to and then somewhat reinforce your use before you are backed out in uh, in the real world uh how uh how have you kept track of things that you may have had to study when you were at pepperdine working on your master's degree or haven't you you can confess that you haven't spent much time with it either because i can tell you that seems to be the norm <laughs> <laughs> you know i have had an intention to go back and read a ton of my grad school books or to i would say finish it from start start to end as opposed to skimming some of the pieces along the way mm-hmm. um and i still have yet to do that uh since finishing grad school i have gone back and re-read content and kept up with the content that is coaching based because okay. that is my truest 
um, passion. That is primarily what I do is work with people as a coach. And so I've gone back to reference something or remind myself of a concept or a, a, a word that I'll remember from, from a book. And I'll want to kind of piece it together. Cause I've got loose memories. The other stuff has, I have not, um, I have not come back to at, at all. <laughs> so total confession. It's, okay. it's, it's, not, it, it's not, it's a very predictable claim from the theories of adult learning. We basically yeah. from Malcolm Knowles on, uh, said adults learn when they feel the need to know something. And uh, yes. they also, but having a background, being acquainted, knowing where to find things uh, is the shift between the, uh, you know, pedagogy for, for kids and andragogy for adults. But you, you were saying, okay, now I've reached the stage of where I am, where I feel coaching is a particular aspect of my practice. I want to, I want to continuously improve being, yes. oh, I remember some of those, uh, those readings. But how about the influence of your professors, either undergraduate or graduate? Is there any particular person or combination of teaching that still sticks with you to, so that you might even say, hey, I think I'll pick up the phone and call Professor X? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, the grad school professors for, from Pepperdine for our OD program were amazing. They were, it, it was this incredible wealth of knowledge and different ways of going about similar challenges or different approaches infused together. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I would say every one of the professors that I have stands out to me for a different reason. And they That's all great. taught a, a different subset of of information. So of course, the first ever practicum that we did together was in, we met in California as a cohort and the professors who, who led that one were stand out to me because that was the foundation. That was the building of coaching that mm -hmm. we did a deep dive into ourselves in small groups throughout most of that 10 days. And so I have a lot of memory back to that because I'm in the coaching space day in and day out. So I use and draw from that experience over and over again. That was like the foundation of that was having a journal, remembering to take, you know, capture things, uh, giving honest, having honest conversation, maybe even difficult conversation, if you mm -hmm. want to call it that, sure. uh, going the deep dive into ourselves, that was really that practicum. And so that one always stands out to me as a result of, of the experience, but each one has informed me, even if I'm not as consciously aware of it, I know that it has informed where I am today. Even, you know, even some of the content around change and change management oh, from yeah. a bigger systems theory perspective, yeah. I, couldn't pinpoint one exact book or one exact conversation, but that was a thread through every single practicum. Every so bit. it all about yeah. Change. yeah. It was a it was a wonderful program, and um, you can go back as a uh, uh, it's called a learning group consultant. You can go back after you have been in the field for a while and join cohorts and actually be a be a 
presence for these new students coming into the program. And I was just thinking about it yesterday because I saw a picture with the new cohort that has just started. And I thought, oh, mm. you know, I think I'd like to do this when, I think I'd like to do this in the future because re reliving the experience from a support lens rather than being in going through yeah. the program yeah. you know the first time I think would be really rich and informing because now I'll be actively observing new things that I didn't yeah. before <laughs> yeah you know you know it yeah. was is not, your life is a practicum now <laughs> yes <laughs> totally, totally I, I I I recommend that um that experience for you uh it's uh there are at least one thing I, I a week ago saturday we opened up our management organizational behavior teaching society annual conference it was virtual and i was on the group uh, that did an early educator institute for the day mm -hmm. uh, prior mm -hmm. to the uh, conference so i was uh, observing and then i was running a session or two during this full day of faculty members who were mainly assistant professors which means mm -hmm. that they are uh obviously have their doctorates and but they're quite uh, fre uh fresh in 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 our world and, and yet mm -hmm. the higher ed world itself is in crisis because of the pandemic and other factors and so i couldn't impose even my wonderful 50 years in higher education on their future and say, oh, yeah. well, if you do this and if you write that, you do this, everything will be fine. Because I know yeah. in my heart that change has, has happened. And so do they. They're aware. They were aware. They understand yeah. the, budget, the budget and they understand all that. And so what they, the, the difference for that generation is that they have to be much closer to the kinds of practitioners who, like you, are making it out there in the world, largely mm -hmm. on your own uh, engine, if you will. They understand that the institutions may not have all the travel money, they may not have all the professional development and, and things that that we had. And so they, they come across as, to me, as being very alert and very empathic. What I was asking them to do is have two minds. First, their own, looking as, as practitioners and not just in quotes, professor or teachers. But also mm -hmm. the second mind is their objective is to prepare managerial leaders. Well, mm -hmm. then put a managerial leader in your head. Anyone, anyone you either know or you can make up and keep a, a, a simultaneous thought. Mm. You think, oh, I think I'll use this content. Ask your other head. Do you think that would be at all that useful for someone who's actually out there trying to keep the fires down and keep their, well, maybe that's, maybe that's not quite as powerful. So what would be more powerful? So what do you think of that? I, I know I'm going on too long about me and this is about you, but in a way I'm asking, you have a chance to get back and look at a, a, a new, a newer generation of mm -hmm. uh, up and coming OD practitioners. And maybe you'll notice some differences too. Yeah, well, so w when you're talking about almost the two voices engaging with one another and asking questions back and forth, that internal dialogue is so much a part of when I'm when I'm working with people is 
Are you getting in touch with the, the different voices? Are you challenging the different voices? Are you getting curious to really understand where something is valuable or not valuable, or if your assumption is true or not true? So I don't know if that answers yeah. your question, but that is totally what came to mind as you were you were expressing this. Um, the two yeah, lines there you fear on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you you? Do you use that yourself when you think about your own, I mean, making, building this podcast, but your own journey that you've gone through? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, uh, I'll brag. I just last week at for this conference, I was presented with uh, the David L. Bradford war award for a, a long and distinguished career as someone who is very focused on teaching and learning. Yay. Oh, you know, congratulations. I, 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 and I loved it. But what I particularly loved was that it was recognizing not much of what I published or some of the more conventional measures. Over time, because I was very much involved in the society and people were aware of, of my uh, ways of teaching that were a little bit off the... Uh, certainly not a little bit. I, I, t I taught differently and his, and yeah. I taught differently because I wanted just what you've talked about earlier, uh, Isabel. I wanted excitement. I wanted it. I wanted to draw students in, not to be excited so much about me, but excited about the prospect that they were going to be launching out into some wonderfully crazy uncertainty. And this was years mm -hmm. ago in the, you know, and, 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 isn't that wonderful? And I like, what? No, this is yeah. the greatest part. You're going to grow like crazy because so little is really nailed down in the social aspects of life. So maybe in yeah. nature, but in our life, you, you've got to be ready uh, to swing to the next vine. And so the, the, my society and my colleagues recognized that that was how I taught and, and, and how I'm doing this podcast. And, yeah. and, I, and I really appreciated that because it was about energy. So maybe this yeah. kind of, as we're getting closer to the time limit on this, we're back to energy again, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. It is the energy that you bring. And it's, it's the, when you're talking about what you've been recognized for, it's doing something a little different, maybe even doing something the way that someone would say, that's a crazy idea or how do you think that's possible but those are the moments that create real change because it challenges what is the norm yeah. it as you know it's asking the questions that other people might be afraid to ask and that is the energy that is the energy that's so fascinating to watch it's the it's the perplexed look wait what what does this mean <laughs> How does that work? I've right? seen plenty and, of squinted eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but, sure, but it's thrilling. Sure. And what you're saying is that's what you're going for. And, you, you know, so you're not yeah. uh, going into a client engagement as, you know, as a show person, you know, or, you know, oh, we've got the, the leading TED Talk person in the country coming in. Those, you know, I'm, I'm happy for them that they're getting some impact. But what what you are doing is right at the at the line of sight, whether you're working with a, a someone who's in senior leadership or someone in, in any part of the company, you are helping them 
get that squinty look in their face because you're not doing what they expect. You're doing yeah. it lovingly, not what they expect. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like it sounds like that's what you did for for many years. And I imagine you are still bringing that in that unconventional way into everything you're doing now, even though yeah. you're not maybe traditionally teaching in the same way that you were. No. Um, but I can I can see that even in, in this conversation that there's it's it's like this journey exploring ideas together right now, but it's creating energy. We're together creating it because there's a, a um, let's look at something a little different. Let's challenge that. Oh no, that's not a crazy idea. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Let's take that even further. Let's go deeper and deeper on it. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think that yeah, that's really what we're what we're talking about. So we, we do love ideas. I, I want to give you a chance, though, because uh, a lot of folks out there uh, would look at what you do as an independent businesswoman, uh, not all lovely roped in by uh, an academic appointment where there's a tremendous amount of buffering. You're, yeah. you're essentially working without a net. And, yes. and yet you seem to be very happy. Uh, how do you keep the courage up that it takes, particularly since the pandemic was a real fist fight for a lot of us with, with life? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you keep yourself up and, and ready for the next, uh, you know, turn in the Pac-Man track? <laughs> it's a complex question in a lot of ways, but, um, um, but much of life is complex. So I will try to simplify because I think it's, it's a great question I am always doing my own work I am always doing the work that I need to help me continue to put one for one foot forward in front of the other even when it's scary even when it's hard even when I have disappointments even if a client decides that they don't want to work with me anymore even 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 no matter what it is I'm always doing my own work. Um, and I, I have coaches to help me too, because I can't do it on my own completely. You know, there's, sure. I need, I need the support too, to, to lean in. Um, and so that's where the reflection comes in the, the daily reflection. It helps me understand, Oh, wow. I'm really afraid today. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm go, I'm going to work with a new client. And even though, they're my 100th client or whatever it is, I'm still scared. Okay, sure. great. So what do I need today? And so I, I come back to constantly asking, what do I need to walk through, you know, this particular client engagement or this conversation? And so it's, it really, I mean, the, the core of, of the answer of my question is I'm doing my own work all the time to get there. It's, it's really hard to run <laughs> run my own business it's very scary sometimes it's very overwhelming definitely not having the safety safety net of anything it was a, it, that it within itself was a whole hurdle for me to face when i went from working for a company to working on my own i had to make this jump to understand what i needed to be successful and now what's ironic is because i've done so much of that and stepped into my fear and tried it and, you know, worked with clients that, that felt 
unsuccessful or or felt sticky and continue to to move through it every time. Now what's interesting is when I actually have stability, especially with with money, when I have a when I know exactly what I'm getting paid every single week, I'm actually not as motivated anymore. Uh-oh. So it's <laughs> it, it's changed for me Uh-oh. because I've gotten so used to working hard to see the fruits grow yeah. that when the fruits are already there and I'm getting paid just for maintaining them, uh-huh. I, I'm, not as, I'm not as engaged. And so it's really fascinating when you continue to push yourself over yeah. and over. And I see this with clients too. You push, 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 and then you get to a new level of almost freedom. Like I'm actually more free now as a result of that but it, the whole thing is is reevaluating you know waking yeah. up being upset working through the upset working through yeah. the fears all come back to it. and so now i'm on the other side and i could never imagine going back and having a traditional job as a result well now <laughs> you're 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 stuck you're stuck in a wonderful place i would say in, yeah. in, in, in conclusion though that uh, the uh the chance to reach a point where you you say oh my goodness i i've i've reached i've reached what i never thought i would but here i am and i'm starting to feel like Ooh. well at that very moment as you know as someone who's teaching and coaching change that is just the moment where you beg the universe to show you something that's coming that's different that you can help people prepare for yeah uh, yeah. because there's another thing coming you see and yeah, so you yeah. put the antenna out because you're going to see that on their behalf yeah uh, whether it's a, yeah. a, a economic trend a social trend uh if it's yeah. very much fit, focused on a, on a locale uh then you're sensitized to it and yeah. uh, you're you're thinking in advance for them but you're not doing the thinking for them but what you're doing yeah. is you're getting isabel excited uh, there's another, there's another way, way that you can use your talent. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's almost like in helping people envision what's to come. And let me see if this, this lands with you as a way to rephrase kind of what you're saying. It's in helping people envision what's to come through the sensing that, that is arising because we can experience, we are experiencing something that helps us see what, what may be possible. And so it's not telling someone you should do this. It's saying, I'm going to nudge you in this direction and see what comes in that space as you, as you occupy it. That, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Or, or, or you can say in all honesty, you know, I'd like to pause a minute and tell you something that's really intriguing me. And it may be in line with where you're going as a person or where your organization's going. Just yeah. like if, I just like your thoughts on it. What's really tri- intriguing me is that they're, they're now documenting through surveys thousands of American workers, probably Canadian workers, who are saying, I don't want to go back into the office except maybe a day or two. I've adjusted. Mm-hmm. I can work at home. I can be productive. I can be social with it. And now that may not be something that particular client is facing at the moment, but just that intrigue to say, what if, and that may not yeah. even 
require a direct answer. Oh, well, we've got it all worked out. Everyone's coming back. No, that's not what we're talking about here. You, what we're talking about is a shift in the uh, centering that Peter ha people have in their life. That is an indication that people who used to feel that they were at work when they were at work <laughs> have now learned over a year and a half that they can be at work wherever they are under their own management. Isn't that yeah. a fascinating trend? You know, so I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but yeah, we've, we, we just need more time, but we don't have it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ms. 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 Isabel Hertz of the Denison coaching and consulting organization. Final thoughts. I'm just so grateful that you found me on LinkedIn and invited me into your podcast. Um, this this took me back a little bit to grad school and the really rich conversations that I got to have when I was there because it was it was it was such a rich learning environment. So um, thank you for having me on your podcast and for exploring with me today. This was so much fun and i think i'll be using this to build many more branches as i move forward this week so um thank you yes all right <laughs> well now i'm, I'm going to be watching whatever you put on linkedin and i'll be celebrating that i got to meet you and the listeners will celebrate because they hear courage they hear excitement they hear fun they hear uh learning adventure uh, of of a uh, of a kind that's more likely now that we've all gone through this huge amount of changing as a world and a, mm -hmm. and a human population. So yay for yeah. Isabel Hertz. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcasts, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon.